Awesome. Welcome back. I'm Mike Roberts and I'm your host and I'm here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you can get them and keep them. So I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Karen Walsh. I am a cybersecurity compliance specialist, expert. Did law school at night while working full time, so I feel that burden. Um, taught first year writing for about 11 years as an adjunct. Again, understand sort of that part time hustle. Uh, and I have a lot of opinions on the concept of getting into tech and apprenticeships, so I am ready to go. Nice. Okay, so that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, also, unfortunately, lately with Karen, like happening, like that's just like, unfortunate <laughs> but i'm super excited to have you here on the show today so um what's the biggest challenge you think faced by companies that are looking to hire diverse talent i think the biggest challenge companies are facing is the fact that they're rooted very much in the systemic ideologies of traditional education uh we were talking the other day i'm in a, a twitter direct message group and we were having a long conversation about sort of certifications and whether you should get a CISP or not. And we got into a very long and kind of heated debate about the fact that it doesn't really provide any educational or experiential value to get a certification, but you need to pay the money to get into past the HR person so that they can promote you to the hiring manager. So one of the burdens that I think I shouldn't say burdens. I think one of the things companies have to do, uh, especially as we're moving towards a more remote workforce and you can actually reach out to people and change how you're doing things. This is a moment where we can all step back and make a change that's, that's beneficial for everyone, companies, employees, everyone, is really think about purposefully what are you doing? What are you asking for? What do you want in an employee? Because if you're just looking for a certification or a bachelor's degree or whatever it is, is that giving you the value of an employee or is that just, you know, from the compliance perspective, checking a box? And I think companies aren't challenged. I think companies need to take the challenge and, you know, take up the gauntlet and, you know, accept that challenge and say, we're ready to change. So I don't think it's a burden for companies. I think companies are the ones that really have to take the lead and say, you know what? We want diversity. We want inclusion. We want own voices. Then we have to make it easier to get those own voices. Nice. I like it. So the path, it's got to be beyond checking the boxes. It's got to be like what you can actually bring to the table. So I'm feeling it. I like that. So <laughs> I'm hearing from other thought leaders that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? So my actual thoughts probably involve words that shouldn't go on the internet in a professional, <laughs> in a professional capacity. So I'm going to try to make them professional. I think that is an excuse. I think that is lazy. Uh, all you have to do is follow the hashtag Black Tech Twitter. You know, okay. there's I believe oh, yeah. there's Say it Black one more time. Latinx Twitter or Black Tech Latinx or some or, or Latinx something as well. Like you just need to go out to where the people are. 
you should not expect people to come to you if you want diversity and inclusion, especially if you are a predominantly white organization. You know, I speak as a white person, not a person of color in any manner, shape or form. So, you know, my perspective is if, if I want to make the change, I have to be the change as the person who has, you know, benefited from white supremacy. So I need to go out and I need to promote those voices and I need to be the person saying, listen to the people who have the experience and meet them where they are. It is not incumbent on BIPOC to go and find you and say, look, I'm just as good as a white person. It is upon white people white hiring managers, white HR managers to say diversity inclusion is important and this is how we're going to do it and lay out clear plans. Wow. That's big. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Definitely breaking the mold for Karens these days, right? (laughs) Thank you. I am the anti-Karen Karen these days. I like it. So um, what advice would you share for a company that's looking to increase diversity and more importantly, retain diverse staff? I love these questions so much. Um, you know, I think it goes back to my first answer in a lot of ways. Companies need to more purposefully define what they want in an employee. If you want experience, if you want talent, that's what you need to look for. Looking at a degree, looking at a certification, all of those are things that act as barriers, um, socioeconomic barriers. Maybe you're not even talking about, you know, BIPOC. Maybe you're just talking about, you know, low income wherever someone is. All of those requirements are uh, barriers to changing the organization and changing the people you have in that organization. So look for what you want, know the skills you want, find a way to determine whether a person has those skills. I hate when organizations ask me to, excuse me, ask me to do free work as a test, but you can make those tests not related to what you do so that the person interviewing doesn't feel as though they're doing free work. You know, if you have a coding test, don't make it something that's directly related to your product, but make it something so that that coding test or that writing sample or all of those things are simply a way to determine whether the individual has the skills you want. Nice. And I think I'm a fan of boot camps. I'm a fan of apprenticeships. You know, I, I will just expound for a second. I taught first year writing for a really long time. And by the t- just before I left, I had started a special club for people who had writing anxiety. And in that group, we mostly had people of color. I had students who uh, either had learning disabilities or, you know, lower income school districts and stuff like that. And you know what? Half of their problems were not that they were incapable. It was that they hadn't been educated properly. Um, They didn't need a four-year degree to do some of what they wanted to do. This is true. And I think the fact that we're requiring young people to go into half a million dollars worth of debt at a private school because we socially look down on community colleges and we socially look down on state schools in a lot of places. And we have these hierarchies in the higher education uh, field that you are actively then excluding diversity because those those workforce members that you say you want 
are not going to succeed in some of those um, environments because they just don't have the background that makes them successful. And by requiring this, for lack of, for a business term, capital outlay to gain the human, the human, you know, capital necessary, you're functionally continuing that socioeconomic and racial and, you know, gender and sexuality oppression by saying, we want a bachelor's degree and we want a certification. You have to expend, you know, on a good day, $300,000 before we'll even take a look at you. And that's exclusionary. That's exclusionary in so many different ways. And there are so many people who can do the job you want them to do without going into, you know, lifelong debt, that we need to change that model, both to get the best talent into jobs and to ensure that we have diverse talent in jobs. Absolutely. I agree. 1,000%. (laughs) So tell me, what other experts like yourself would you like to acknowledge as leaders and should be invited to be guests on this podcast? Oh, my goodness. Um, You know, I'm thinking... I actually have a friend. I think he would be really fabulous. His name is Scott. Um, I will see if he's interested because he um, is a perfect example of, you know, a non-traditional career path into security and technology. And I'll, I'll reach out to him and see if I can connect you because I think he's got the opposite perspective of me and that his way in the door was to get the certification. And so he, you know, we don't always agree on their value or we agree on their value in terms of edification and in terms of whether it promotes a, a skill set. Um, I think that we need to hold companies more accountable. And his answer is if that's how you get in the door, then that's how you get in the door. So I think, you know, we both approach it from uh, uh, the opposite perspective and we ultimately kind of agree that all of these requirements are burdensome. But on the other hand, he got in with a certification when he otherwise wouldn't have. And, and I see the detrimental aspect of requiring all of these things. So I think he's a good counterpoint to, to my perspective. Awesome. Um, so where can we find out more information about your company? Uh, any so, kind of shameless plug is fine at this point. Fantastic. I love shameless plugs. Um, I'm at Allegro Solutions, LLC.com. Uh, you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter at Kayvon. Oh, sorry. Wrong one. I changed it like five years ago and still can't remember that I changed my handle at geek mom K. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, Karen Walsh at geeky. Uh, my, my tag is geeky Karen. I'm on brand if nothing else. Awesome. Uh, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Perfect. So we've got about three minutes left. So at this point, um, we could either end early, it's always you know, perfectly fine, give you a little bit of your life back. Um, you can share something about what you're working on, you can ask me a question, so this is like the, this is the color outside of the lines portion of the show. You know, I, I could plug stuff like I'm working on a book, okay, I Please. plugged it, but I'm actually gonna ask you, what are your opinions? Like, how, what do you think businesses should be doing? I agree with a lot of the sentiments that you've shared so far. I think it's also important to um, go beyond just hiring like one or two so that you can create sort of internally 
a way mm -hmm. for people to be self-sustained and uh, like a shoulder for them to be able to lean on and be able to go to for a little bit of support. It's hard being the only person in the room, right? Mm -hmm. And so even having a couple hires is usually not enough to get to that critical mass. So I really like that. I like the concept of, you know, let's change a lot of what you said about how you filter people and get them in. And then from that perspective, making sure that it gets a critical mass so that you can continue to like, just have about the, you know, I'd like to see things be about what is representative of like the rest of the country, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's shameful that in a lot of companies, you've only got like in an in a engineering shop, you might only have 20% women on the engineering team. And it's like, and sometimes it's like, some of those women are on the product team or they're like not in the technical roles of like the rest of the folks. And it's like, that's not like, it's about 50% of our country, 51% are women. So like, why are they not here in the shop where they can have an impact on the customer? So. I agree with that. I think that to enable that though, organizations, especially tech companies need to really think about the way they treat women in tech. Sure. Yeah. Is the flip side. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you hear that happens or that has happened and it's, it's a little ridiculous or you and it pushes it. women or you see it, right? <laughs> right. You see like trolls on Twitter, totally picking on women, but not dudes. Um, and, and that's, that's a barrier. I think we really have to, I mean, what, how would you address it from a corporate perspective? Uh, that, that's an easy one. I think they just need to put their money where their mouths are. Um, so a lot of times when initiative, you know, gets some attention, so Black Lives Matter, they're like, let's scratch a check. And then just like, let's find it like United Negro College Fund. That sounds good. Or HSBC, you, that sounds good. And it's like, nah, you need to actually like go on the Twitters and look <laughs> at the hashtags, find some yep. people in your community and mm -hmm. then go out there in the community and find out who's doing things and who's doing the right things and then put the money there because that way a lot more of that dollar ends up in the hands of the people you're trying to impact. Then when it goes to the larger charities and has to be filtered through all these layers of like, well, we can only give grants to organizations that have been around for X time with this and that and taking half of the money, right? So mm -hmm. I'm not saying, I don't want to disparage the United Negro Crown. No, I, don't how much they I take, totally understand. But they take something. And so mm -hmm. uh, when the funds make it directly into the community, they can impact more lives. And so, that's what I think more corporations need to do. Stop talking about it. Stop putting black on your LinkedIn and actually start writing checks to local community organizations that make an impact. Do you think that remote work is going to change hiring practices and, and expand diversity in tech? I think it only help. I don't think it's going to make it um, more challenging. It is going to definitely like level the playing field. So now everybody's competing on a little bit more equal footing because it doesn't matter. Like, are you, do you live in San Francisco or do you live in San Diego and you want that position in San Francisco? That's going to make it tougher for folks in San Francisco that have the advantage of being able to kind of be in the spot and pay the higher rent. Now you're competing mm -hmm. against somebody in Des Moines that might just be really good. And right. like, you know, that's. You think that's this a will piece. be a, 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 an equalizer in some cases then? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it will. The question is going to be whether or not we sort of regress and return back to the traditional practices, or does our little coronation last long enough that it really breaks the pattern and people start seeing different things? I hope it breaks. I think the education system is completely like destroyed at this point. It's busted. And it's 100% so, busted. I'm hoping we have a terrible fall, and I, I silently <laughs> cheer as people weep that like they're not going to graduation. And all. I'm like, let's get rid of all that stuff. 
let's mm -hmm. focus on what's important, which is, okay, what are you doing next year? Right? Mm -hmm. What, what is the first year going to look like for you now that you're, you know, you're no longer in high school. Now you got to make decisions. Like how does that process work? So I'm looking for some, some big change, big disruption. I'm the disruptor over here. Do you think this on. is the moment? Do you think this is the moment with all of these different factors coming together that, you know, we have people stuck at home, people without jobs. I think all of that kind of allowed people to really take part in, in protests and movements. Do you think this is, is a tipping point? Oh you yeah, see it that way? for sure. And it's also just sort of the natural human, you know, you're, you're stuck inside, it's hot, it's the summertime, like all of those things combined, I think are just the, like the natural way that this kind of bubbles up and people are just like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And you know, 45 didn't help. And so in a way he did, cause he made things terrible and thousands of people <laughs> are dying. But, but in a weird way, it was such a different juxtaposition from where we were mm -hmm. to where we are now that people are just like, nope, we're gonna, this is not happening anymore. We're like, this is, we're good. We're moving on. <laughs> so, so awesome. So go ahead and give us that website. Give it to us two more times, please. Sure. Allegro Solutions, LLC.com. Karen Walsh. I'm at Geek Mom K on Twitter. And it's Allegro Solutions, LLC.com. And at Geek Mom K on Twitter. Awesome. So thanks, folks. Uh, we'll see you uh, next episode. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io.